Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, March 14th, 2018. How you doing, guys? I'm Sam Rosenberg. I'm here to talk some sports, specifically Sixers. Time to get a little Sixers talk on. Nice little recap of the last week of the Sixers games that we've come across. Here's what I've seen. Hopefully, you guys are seeing the same things. I want to just, you know, try to put perspective on things. You know, I'm such a big Sixers fan. I can't help myself. I've got to talk about everything I've seen. So, I think the last time I came on the show, uh, the Sixers had gone through a couple of tough losses, had found some victories as well, too. But we've got to talk a little bit about their schedule, what what's going on now, and how they're struggling against playoff teams. Because as they're getting into this, this playoff push, they're in the mix with all these other, you know, both both conferences, the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, the three seed through the eighth seed is completely up for grabs. The one and the one and the two are pretty much locked up. The three and the six is anybody's game. So the Sixers are in this mix with all these other teams. They're in the mix with the Pacers, the Cavaliers, the Bucks, the Miami Heat. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some. I, what the hell am I doing? Why don't I? Why don't I actually look at this stuff and pull it up so I can speak with uh, you know intelligence here? Uh, sorry, the uh, thing is loading on my computer. Pacers, Cavs, the Wizards, the Bucks, and the Heat. So the Sixers are are kind of locked in this mess with all of these teams, and they actually have somewhat of an easy schedule going the rest of the way. They got the Knicks, they got the Nets, they got the Hornets again, they got the Grizzlies, they got the Magic. Timberwolves, that's going to be a tough game. Nuggets, that'll be a tough game. The Knicks again, the Hawks, the Hornets, the Nets, the Pistons, the Cavs, the Mavericks, the Hawks, and the Bucks. So... The Sixers have had one of the best strength of schedules all season. They're facing one of the easiest schedules out there. And right now, you know, their playoff outlook looks good because they're really not facing that many other playoff teams going into the rest of the season. Now, that being said, they've just come off a couple of losses against key playoff teams. If you look at their um, schedule, the last real convincing win they had was when they beat up LeBron James and the Cavaliers in Cleveland, and they look pretty convincing. Now, after that, they then pulled out, they picked out a W against the Charlotte Hornets. They played the Hornets twice, and they actually played the Hornets two more times. Um, and they were able to beat the Hornets in both those games, but they lost the Milwaukee Bucks. They lost a really close game to the Miami Heat. And then just the other night, uh, just last night, they lost this game to the Indiana Pacers. These are all good playoff. I'm not going to say they're great playoff teams, but they are Eastern Conference playoff teams. They've got an identity. They they know what they're doing out there, and they they challenge the Sixers because the Sixers are kind of at the same level as they are. Sixers have got some talent. You know, they're figuring out who they are as as a playoff team, and they're kind of just getting their shit together. But, you know, these other teams have got a little bit more continuity, a little bit more time working together than they do. And, I think it's a good test to see where the Sixers are. I don't, listen, I think the Cavaliers and LeBron, I mean, they rise and fall with LeBron. So depending on how well he's playing on that, on any given night, will tell you how well they are playing. So the Sixers pulling out a win against the Cavs, considering how up and down the Cavs are, that doesn't shock me. But seeing the Sixers lose to the Bucks, seeing them lose to the Heat, seeing them lose to the Pacers. These are the teams where if you guys really want to start proving yourselves, you need to be beating teams like this, or at least, I mean, at least they were competitive because I went to the Miami Heat game in Miami with my dad. Hell of a time, by the way. Great, great atmosphere, amazing arena, amazing fans, amazing people, good food, beautiful, like right on the water. It's a gorgeous place. Um, 
this was a neck and neck game. It felt like a playoff atmosphere. And I mean, D Wade and the and the Heat, you know, I I don't want to say the Sixers got out coached, but uh, I think we need to start talking about uh, Joel Embiid's fatigue. So with this game against the Heat. He also played against the Charlotte Hornets, and then he also had that game against the Milwaukee Bucks. You could tell Embiid was fatigued. His fatigue level was playing into how well of a performance he had, because those games, you could tell he was drained, and he wasn't performing as well. Specifically at this Heat game, we were sitting there at halftime during the warm-ups when the teams come back out and they switch sides of the court and they start shooting warm-up baskets. Embiid was sitting on the bench just zonked. I mean, this was halftime, and the guy looked completely exhausted. So this fatigue thing is something to seriously consider, and I was having a big back and forth with my dad, Dr. Mark Rosenberg, about how important this fatigue situation is, and also this sense of like, listen, you know, all these other guys are going out there and playing. Why the hell is Embiid fatigued? And I kept saying, you know, this is the first time he's ever really played a full season like this. This is the first time they've ever really demanded this much of him, and you know, when you really think about it in regards to sort of playing a full NBA season, the guy's a bit of a rookie in that regard. And um, I think the fatigue is finally coming into it. I don't know how he recuperates. I don't know. I don't exactly know what his conditioning regimen is or how he's sleeping or if he's out partying. Because, listen, I see Embiid on social media pretty frequently. But this is something to be concerned about because we need this guy ready to go into the playoffs. And I think right now, the way the Eastern Conference is lined up, the only team that's really going to try to catch anybody at the eighth seed is the Detroit Pistons. And I think they're fading fast. That Blake Griffin trade, you know, I think it gave them an initial boost, but they're not they're not winning games. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. This might be the end of Stan Van Gundy in that, uh, in that city. So, But my point is that there's nobody really threatening to steal a playoff spot. Now, the Western Conference is a different animal, but in the East, it's... You don't know who is going to be seated where, but you can feel pretty confident that those teams are going to be in the playoffs. So I feel confident saying the Sixers are going to be there. And if Embiid is getting fatigued and is is losing you know stamina at this point in time, I mean, that's a bad sign considering the fact that he needs to be sort of rip-roaring and rested when they go into the playoffs. So to see him fatigued as they're trying to get into a playoff run, that's discouraging. Um, now... Let's focus on some positives. Dario Saric has been playing out of his mind. Now, whereas fatigue, uh, fatigue, Joel Embiid has been fatigued over the last couple of games, Saric has been getting hot. He's been, I think, averaging around 20 points a game. He's been stroking it from three. He plays so aggressively. He hustles all the time. He gets hard fouls. I love Saric. I just think he's getting better every day, and he is a big reason for some of their uh, improvement as of late because he is picking up some scoring slack. And then you're also seeing Bellinelli, you're seeing uh, Redick and Covington. When Redick and Covington are hitting their three-point shots, I mean, this team becomes deadly. They really shoot up this, you know, they get that big lead on you, and all of a sudden their fourth quarter and second half collapses aren't as bad because their lead is so strong, and, you know, if they play a crappy team like the Brooklyn Nets, you see, they played the Brooklyn Nets the other day, and they beat the living shit out of them. This Nets team is not really a good team, and the Sixers walked all over them. But then they play the Pacers the other night, and the Pacers are a great team that's going to the playoffs. And I feel like Thaddeus Young had a little bit of a revenge fuck you game because he came into Philadelphia and he dominated. I mean, more so than Oladipo, more so than all the other characters on that Pacer team, Thaddeus Young had a field day, and I feel like he was sort of sticking it to the Sixers. I don't think there's any bad blood. I'm just saying, you know, you remember the teams that traded you. 
so, you know, to see them kind of dominate a team like the Nets as they should and then sort of slip up against a team like the Pacers, I mean, Miles Turner really sort of took it to them. And uh, that's something you got to be concerned about because this team is going to need to be get some heavy, nice wins under their belt going into the playoffs. And like I was saying earlier with that proposed schedule that they've got for the rest of the season, they got a lot of gimmies in there. they got a lot of easy games that should be Ws. And, you know, the only real sort of challenging games that I see in there is that game against the Timberwolves and that game against the Nuggets because those are both competitive teams in the West and those are both two teams in the West that are fighting for a playoff spot. So they're not going to they're not going to want to fuck around with the Sixers. They're going to want to take that W and go home. So those will be a more test, but everything else, you know, playing the Hawks twice, playing the Hornets, the Knicks, I mean playing the Nets again, playing the Mavericks, I just don't see these these games are not going to be challenges. And then they end the season against the Bucks, who are another playoff team. But, I mean, hopefully the Bucks and the Sixers, everything will be decided by then. They won't have to play for anything. Um, another thing I wanted to mention that I've been noticing about this Sixers team is um, J.J. Redick. Now, listen, I love Redick. I, I, th- I love his podcast. Uh, I think he's been a hell of addition to the team. However, he's probably the most confident of their shooters. Now, I know they got Bellinelli. I know they got Ilyasova. I know they've got these other guys who are lights-out shooters, but Redick is probably the most cold-blooded and just, you know, quick release of their shooters, the most bona fide one they have. And they've been getting into instances where they get to the fourth quarter and they need to hit this game-winning shot, and Redick tends to be the one who takes it. Now, I don't think that's a bad call. I think he's a fantastic shooter. You can't feel bad if he misses that shot, but... These are clutch shots that he's got to take. These are big, game-winning shots to decide the game. And I got to be honest, I'm just going to do a hot take right now. I don't think Redick is a great clutch shooter. I think he can make a buzzer beater at the end of the shot clock. I think he can, you know, pull up off the dribble and just hit a shot. I think he can, you know, hit a three-pointer in movement. But when you put the pressure on and you need him to hit a big shot at the end of the game... I just don't think that's his M.O. I've seen a couple this season that he's missed, and I'm not saying it's the pressure. You know, both of these shots that I saw him miss at the end of the game, you know, one of them was a, was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a Hail Mary shot against this Pacer team. Someone got a hand in his face. They weren't the cleanest looks, but it was another instance where you're sitting here saying, I can't really trust Ben Simmons to take that shot at the end of the game, and I can't really trust Joel Embiid to hit the three-pointer so I got to go with J.J. Redick, and I just don't know if he's I got the same confidence in his ability to hit those big shots at the end of the game. And, and you know, interesting, I just said Embiid, this Pacer game, they gave the ball to Embiid, and he shot a three-pointer at the end of the game. Luckily, the Sixers were able to get the ball back one more time off the rebound, and Redick had a shot for a prayer. But before they even went to Redick, they actually tried to go to Joel Embiid to hit the three-pointer. Because, listen, he's a good three-point shooter. He's got that shot. And maybe it's not that crazy to think, might as well have Embiid take the shot. We can't really trust Simmons to do it. And I don't know if you want Ilyasova or Bellinelli or Covington taking those clutch shots. And that's why you go to Redick. Redick's the most logical, you know, shooter that you would give the ball to in a pinch in that moment. And my point here is I'm saying I don't know how much of a clutch shot maker he is. He's a fantastic shooter. He's a fantastic free throw shooter. I don't know how much of a clutch shooter he is. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just saying that, and that's something that I think Brett Brown is going to be looking at as they go into the playoffs because when you're at those crunch time moments where you need a shot and maybe a three-pointer, who are you going to look to? I don't know. Um, 
Another thing I wanted to mention about the Sixers is their defense has been fantastic. It's really been good defense. They play hard. You know, I, I got to give some credit to Brett Brown. I think that they've been, you know, taking a step forward with their defense over this the course of the season. I think they've gotten better over the course of the season. Um, I think that they're finally finding some guys who fit well into their rotation and how they, you know, they're, you're really seeing a lot of Bellinelli and Ilyasova. And, you know, Ilyasova, I think, is a little bit of a better defensive presence than Bellinelli, but you know, these are a little bit more bona fide bodies who can get some shots up. And, um, you know, you're finding, you know, more Rashawn Holmes in the rotation as well, which I like. I still don't think they use Rashawn Holmes enough. Uh, however, with all of this good defense, the Sixers are still leading the league in turnovers. So now they still cannot, like, they are turning the ball over like it's going out of style. They still have these errant passes. They still have these sloppy passes, these unforced turnovers, these things that it's sort of like, come on, if you guys want to be a playoff team, if you want to can protect the ball, if you want to really make a, a, some noise, you can't be turning the ball over at the rate that they do. And I think that also ties into their blown leads. I think when they blow leads... You see teams getting into the passing lanes. You see teams starting to understand that they don't fully know how to help each other when they get double teamed because maybe one of these guys, because of the fact they have lacks of playmakers, you know, you've got Ben Simmons, you've got Embiid. Sometimes you really sit there and you're struggling to say who else is a playmaker on this team because it's not really Covington. Um, it's not really uh, Bellinelli or Ilyasova. Like you start saying TJ McConnell. You start saying guys like Jared Bayless. And Bayless, listen, Bayless hasn't gotten on the court. They haven't played Bayless in at least a couple of weeks. He's not getting, he is completely out of the rotation at this point. And it's not like he's worthless, but you're starting to see Brett Brown carve out what the rotation is going to be. Bayless is not in it, all right? All the things that Bayless can do can pretty much be utilized with somebody else, and you can get more, better minutes out of that. You know, Bayless shoots the three ball. Well, TJ McConnell shoots it probably just as well, if not better. Bayless plays defense. TJ McConnell does a bit of the same thing. And then it's sort of like, I think sometimes, really, you're going to get more quality minutes out of McConnell. And I think the only thing you're really losing from McConnell is a little height. Because Bayless is probably a little bit bigger than McConnell. But I mean, I just... I don't know. It, I feel it, it's crazy to say this, but I feel like Bayless is just kind of like a like a boiled down version of T.J. McConnell, and it's like, why are you going to put Bayless in when you've got McConnell out there who could do just the same thing for you? Uh, you know. So I mean, again, you're sitting here kind of looking at these guys who who could be playmakers, and when they don't have playmakers, when you only have guys like Simmons or Embiid or T.J. McConnell. You know, then you start getting into situations where other guys don't want to touch the ball. Then you start getting into these crazy passes where Simmons kind of draws the double team on the strong side and he's got to throw a cross-court pass. Defenders jump into the passing lanes and you get a turnover. I mean, that's what Milwaukee did all night. I saw them play the Bucks, and I mean, they were just jumping to the passing lanes left and right. The Pacers were doing the same thing. Now, the, the Brooklyn Nets didn't do it because this is they're a shitty team, but the, these teams, they're, they're figuring this out and they really... They get a lot of turnovers off of this Sixer team. And, I mean, that's something that, until they fix that, they're not going to have home court advantage. I mean, they're still not going to be able to make any noise or, or win a seven-game series if they know one of these other teams is going to be able to just get them to force turnovers all night. Um, and that's the thing that's really scaring me, is the Sixers struggle to compete with some of these playoff teams. These, these teams like the Bucks, these teams like the Heat, 
I mean, even the Wizards, they had a quality unit. They've had some quality wins against the Wizards, but they've also dropped a few against the Wizards as well. And winning against teams like, you know, the Cavaliers can be exciting, but I want to see the Sixers actually go in there and be competitive and, and steal a game against the Raptors or steal a game against the Celtics. I'm not too imp- The Celtics are dealing with lots of injuries and they're coming back down to earth, but the Raptors really are the gold bar in the Eastern Conference. And I want to see the Sixers be able to push them around, and I just don't think they're there yet. Um, okay, so I ranted and raved a little bit about the Sixers, as, as I always do. This is a Sixers podcast now. I'm here to talk to Sixers and everything that is Sixers. You want to talk about a particular player, let me know. You can email me at samsportsstation uh, at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. Tell me anything you want about the Sixers. I'll rant and rave about any particular player. Why isn't Justin Anderson getting on the floor as much? Um, you know, why isn't... Uh, TLC, uh, Timothée Louabou-Cabarro. I know he's got a foot injury and stuff, but I think he can be a hazard on defense, but sometimes I like his shooting. I like his his energy. He gets up and down the floor, and that can be a real, you know, you know this team likes to run the court, and, and the Sixers definitely push the pace a lot. So why are these guys not on the floor? Why are we not seeing them more in the rotation? You know, why is Rashawn Holmes you know, still not used as much as Amir Johnson? These are all things that I'd love to talk about if you want to, you know, spitball with me. Now, one of the two questions I'm going to hit on before we get out of here, Eastern Conference playoff picture. As I mentioned before, um, Eastern Conference three through six is all up for grabs. Now, right now, the Cleveland Cavaliers are half a game behind the Pacers. And the Cavaliers, the way it's looking for the rest of their season, I'm going to jump right now to their schedule. And I'm going to see if I can get it. Because my question is, are they going to have home court? I think they're definitely going to get into the playoffs. I don't think LeBron is missing the playoffs. But they might be a 5, 6, 7, or 8 seed. And then they're not going to have home court. I don't think he cares. But then it starts to beg the question, are they even going to get out of the first round or even the second round for that matter? Here's the Cavaliers' remaining schedule. Trailblazers, Bulls, Bucks, Raptors, Suns, Nets, Heat, Hornets, Pelicans, Mavericks, Raptors, Wizards, Sixers, Knicks, Knicks. Okay, there's some tough games in there. Okay, the Trailblazers, that's going to be a tough game. Two games against the Toronto Raptors, that's not a gimme. The Pelicans, who are fighting to get into the playoffs, the Wizards, the Sixers. Okay, this is not an easy schedule for the Cavaliers. So I'm definitely sitting here saying, all right, this is this is going to be interesting to say the least. Um, right now, I think it's crazy to say this, but... I mean, I think they can win enough games, and I think LeBron has enough gumption and just force of will to drag them into this playoff hunt and make sure that they at least get a four seed. But I mean, even if they come out with the four seed, they're going to be going up against Toronto soon, and you know Toronto is not looking forward to that. This is the same LeBron team that has chewed them up and spit them out over the last two seasons, and this is not even before the two seasons before when Paul Pierce chewed them up and spit them out. So Toronto's definitely got something to prove, and I mean, right now, I kind of think I would put my money on the fact that I think Cleveland is going to finish in at least with home court. I think they'll probably finish in the four seed. Um, I, I mean, it's just, it's all such a hot mess, and I just don't have confidence in Cleveland's ability to kind of maintain, especially now that they're dealing with injuries. You know, they traded for all these guys, but they're still dealing with injuries. Rodney Hood is hurt. Chetty Osman is hurt. I, I'm just... There's too much inconsistency with this Cleveland team to think that, you know, there's no to think that they're just going to stroll right into the NBA Finals all over again. That is not fucking happening. I'm not calling the Cavaliers to make it to the Finals this year. 
I'm actually thinking it'll probably be a team like the Raptors. I think the Raptors can take them apart this year. I really do. I think it'll be an interesting seven-game series, but I really think the Raptors have what it takes to actually slay the Dragon and take down the Cavaliers. That's I'm, I'm calling this. I'm saying they're going to have home court, and I think the Raptors will probably be able to take them down. Now, before I get out of here, as I said before, I am going to talk about the standings for the Western Conference. Now, there's a little bit more going on there because the Western Conference has got more options where teams can be in and can be out. As of right now, I can't make this up. The San Antonio Spurs are out of the playoffs. They're tied with the Utah Jazz, and the Utah Jazz have a tiebreaker ahead of them. You want to talk about three through six, more like three through 10 is completely up for grabs in the Western Conference. There's going to be two teams on the outside looking in, and everything is shifting around as we speak. No one was seeing the Portland Trailblazers going on a huge run, a 10-game winning streak, and just shooting up to the third seed. Nobody was picking that. If anything, we were talking about the Thunder hanging in there. We were talking about the Spurs maintaining. Now the Spurs are falling apart. The longer they go without Kawhi Leonard, the more they're ripping apart at the seams. I understand Pop is the coaching guru to end all coaching gurus, but... For the first time in a while, man, I'm sorry, but the personnel is hurting them. They just don't have the players to make all of this go. And with LaMarcus Aldridge missing games, I know he's back now, but he missed a couple of games. And I've been watching. I went to this Spurs game. I told you the day before Super Bowl, I went to that Spurs Jazz game, and I saw Ricky Rubio put up 30 points on this Spurs team in San Antonio with LaMarcus Aldridge on the court. So now we're at a situation where... You need to legitimately consider the situation for the Spurs because they don't have an easy schedule going out throughout the rest of the season. You you don't believe me? Let's talk about the Spurs schedule. Let's go there. Let's get hip deep in it and see all of the tough opponents that they have coming up. You ready for this? They're going to be playing the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Wizards, the Jazz, the Bucks, the Wizards, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, the Kings, and the Pelicans. None of those games are gimmies. None of them. Maybe, actually, I, I was going to say maybe like the game against the Lakers, but or, or the Sacramento Kings. That's your gimme game. But aside from that, they're going to be fighting tooth and nail to stay in it and to try to actually get into this playoff picture because if these things shake out the way they are, Utah is hot, baby. Utah's not stopping anytime soon. Portland's not stopping anytime soon. You know, the teams that look like they could be fading are the Clippers. I don't have faith that the Clippers are going to hang in there. I think they're going to be done. I don't think the Clippers will be, will be able to maintain. The Pelicans have completely surprised me. Because the last time I came on this podcast and talked about who I thought was going to be in the Western Conference, I think the teams that I thought would be on the outside looking in were uh, the Clippers and the Pelicans. I thought it was going to be the Jazz and uh, the Nuggets that ended up getting into the playoffs. But now... I, I definitely, I still think the Jazz are going to make it in. I don't think the Clippers will make it. The Timberwolves, you got to start asking yourself some questions about them without Jimmy Butler. I know they just went and got Derrick Rose, and Andrew Wiggins is playing pretty well, but they've still got problems without Jimmy Butler, and Derrick Rose is not the answer. I'll tell you that right now. He was on the team, and he didn't even get on the court the other night. So this this Timberwolves team, you know, they're one to worry about, but at the same time, I saw them beat the Warriors because the Warriors are dealing with a Steph Curry injury, and now they're fading a little bit, and Houston is starting to separate a little bit from them. The Warriors, for the first time in years, are looking mortal. Now, I still think it's going to be the Warriors and the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals, which will be the finals for this year. But as, as far as the other teams, the Timberwolves, I think, have still got some bite. The Pelicans, I mean, Anthony Davis is playing like an MVP. He's carrying the team on his shoulders. Drew Holiday was playing out of his mind the other night. 
I still think they're in it as well, and I think the Thunder have got too much talent to stay out of it. That's why I'm saying now, right now, right now, the two teams on the outside looking in, I'm going to call the Clippers and the Nuggets. Last time I called it to be the Clippers and the Pelicans, now I'm saying Clippers and Nuggets. I think the Nuggets have got a lot of talent, but they can't keep the consistency together. They still seem to find ways to lose games that I think they should be winning. You know, games that they really need to pull out, they're sort of dropping. I think they lost one to the Clippers the other night. I mean, and I just, I can't see the Spurs completely imploding like this. I just can't see it. I Pop is going to figure out a way to at least drag this team into the playoffs. And, you know, the Clippers are going to fade, and I think the Nuggets are going to fade. I, I just, those are the teams that, you know, right now, I have no faith the Clippers are going to finish in the playoffs. And the Nuggets, you know, they've just, they're too young a team. They haven't figured out the swagger yet. Portland is too hot. New Orleans is too hot. The Thunder are, you know, they've got too much talent. These teams are going to figure out ways to win games and stay in the playoff hunt. Whereas my call now, I know I know it was the Clippers and the um, the Pelicans a few weeks ago, but right now I'm calling the Clippers and the Nuggets are going to be on the outside looking in. That's my thoughts on that. That's who I don't think is going to, that's who I think is, going to, is not going to come out of the Western Conference. Okay. Listen, thank you very much for listening. This is Sam Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. You can also email me with any mailbag questions at samsportsstation at gmail.com. S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. But in the meantime, go Sixers. Um, enjoy the games. I'll be back next week to talk about what took place. And uh, hopefully soon I'll be jumping on with some football stuff to talk about all the free agent moves that have happened. I'm trying to get Shaka back on the, the podcast as well to uh, talk about that. I mean, there's just been so much going on in the NFL. It's a Listen, these sports are officially year-round. Uh, but uh, as always, thanks a lot for listening. I'll be back next week, and uh, we'll uh, do more Sam Sports Podcast. Take it easy. Bye-bye.